Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and CAN we launched a really ambitious research project looking at the effects of processed pet foods compared to more fresh food diets. Joining me today is CANWE co-founder, Dr. Donna Radedick, who's a board-certified veterinary nutritionist, to help talk a little bit more about this study and why it's so important. So Donna, talk, talk, talk to me a little bit about, uh, for the listeners, readers who have not heard about what we're doing, talk to us a little bit about that research project. So what we, what we did is we are actually looking at the effects of processing. Um, there's a, um, a reaction that happens when you process proteins and carbohydrates. Proteins and carbohydrates, when they're heated, will often come together and they, they caramelize or they stick together. And that can be a good thing, a good thing like um, when that happens to your toast, um, <laughs> you get that brown crust on your toast and it brings out taste. But what we've also learned or what's been reported in the literature is when proteins and carbs come together, they can form what we call advanced glycation end products. We abbreviate, we call them AGEs. And what we're learning is that dietary AGEs, when we actually have them in our processed foods and we consume them, they may actually drive or be one of the underlying causes of some of the disease states in humans. For instance, um, diabetes, human diabetes is a really good example. Matter of fact, diabetics that are measuring their A1Cs, that A1C test is actually hemoglobin in red blood cells that has carbohydrates stuck on protein. It's actually an AGE that they're measuring in human diabetics. Hmm. So we started questioning, um, and of course, you know, I'm a nutritionist and I know you have an intense interest in nutrition, Karen. So we started wondering, what about AGEs in our, in our dogs and cats? Yeah. Because most of our dogs and cats eat processed foods. Most of us are feeding dry foods or canned foods and they have proteins and they have carbs and they're heated and being processed. Well, we dug around and, and there's been some studies that suggest that our dogs and cats may actually be consuming maybe almost 100 times more wow. AGEs wow. on a per weight basis than we are eating a conventional Western diet. Wow, yeah, shocking. Shocking. And shocking. And, and it got us thinking, you know, so could we, could we actually measure the levels of AGEs in, in pet diets and how do they compare? How does the AGE levels in dry food, canned food, and maybe more of the fresh food diets and raw diets, what are those levels in those diets? And then we started talking about, okay, can we, can we measure it and is there a difference when foods are processed when pet diets are processed and then can we actually measure them because it's been done in, in rodents and it's been done in humans could we measure them in their blood maybe or in their urine do these AGEs have a, an effect on ways on maybe the way a dog metabolizes or utilizes those proteins and carbohydrates yeah does it maybe AGEs affect the the gut microbiome, yeah. the, the bacteria, the good healthy bugs in our gut and in our dog's guts. Because we know they have a healthy microbiome, they need that to stay healthy. Yeah. So these were some of the questions we wanted to, to look at. So what we did is we 
we started to put together a study and, and it, it takes a lot of time. It probably took us close to two years to actually get a study design. And as we were putting the study together, we were able to reach out to different researchers, people uh, and labs, scientists who are interested in looking at gut microbiome and what could the effects of processed foods and AGEs have on microbiome. We found another lab that actually is very sophisticated and, and, and could they actually standardize and be able to measure the levels in all the different types of pet diets from dry to raw foods? Um, could they actually do it with blood and urine? Could we actually, and we did, we found a lab that could actually look at how AGEs may impact the way a dog metabolizes or utilizes specific urine by looking at specific compounds in urine and blood to see if there's any changes based on how much a dog may be taking in AGEs. So after a lot of work, a lot of Yes. Uh, collaboration with these labs and scientists, we have launched, you're right, a major, major project to answer some very important questions. So exciting. And so, I mean, this is literally, no one else is doing this research around the world. You had to, first of all, put this, the idea, the concept uh, into action by designing, of course, a well-designed study. And when I think about this as a general practitioner, there, this research isn't available. And of course, Everyone in the fresh feeding community says, listen, my veterinarian says he's skeptical about feeding fresh foods because there's just not enough research. We just don't know enough about it. And I'm so excited about this particular research because it's the first of its kind that's going to compare the different types of food, canned food, raw food, or, or fresh food, and dry food, looking at these advanced glycation end products. But because the test wasn't available, Donna and her Can We team had to go establish the labs, make sure that the tests were validated. It's quite an intense process that takes time and money. The good news is we were able to fund that first part of the study last year. So that's exciting. We were able to, to get the funds necessary to initiate this amazing research project. So where are we at this point in time, Donna? Well, at this point in time, the, we, we have made some major, major um, advances. We can, we can measure the level of AGEs in pet food. And we can actually measure the levels in blood and urine as well. Nice. So that we, those two parts, standardizing those tests were very, very key. Making sure that every time we do it, we're doing it correctly and in the same way and we're getting repeatable results. That these are good tests. You need good markers to design a good test. So we have good markers, we have good tests that have been standardized. And what have we found so far? Well, processing does happen in pet diets, right? Yeah. So we have found that the more these pet diets are processed, the, the dries, the cans, the more heat involved in processing, indeed there are higher AGE levels as compared to more fresh and raw diets. Yeah. We have to sit down and look at the numbers and sure enough we're gonna have statisticians start to look and evaluate that information and we'll be able to put that into a publication for all to read and to understand. And now 
we're also finally collaborating a lot of data because what we've done next is we have taken dogs and we've fed them different levels. We fed them high levels of AGEs and low levels of AGEs. And now we're looking at what their blood levels are gonna look like. If they're eating high levels, do their levels go up immediately? Does it take a little bit of time? How does those high levels of AGEs maybe affect the way they utilize the, the nutrients in their diet? Do we see changes in compounds in their urine? There's a lab that's looking at that. And that microbiome lab is also looking at when those dogs were eating high AGEs versus low AGEs, is there a change in that the microbiome that might suggest that one, those high AGEs could have negative impacts on yeah. microbiome? So all that data is being being gathered and being processed. It, it's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. amazing to think, Karen, that we've done this. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it started out as an idea. It start, started out with you and I scratching our heads saying, you know, I know nutrition works. I mean, I've done it. I've taken a dog who had, you know, such and such, and we made them a better diet, and they looked better, and they felt better, and their owners thought they were better. And you can say that, and I can say that, but in order to make, make it a fact, you know, my impression and, and looking at that dog and the owner's impression and your feeling and your clinical expertise, we can say that for one dog. We can say that for the dog you saw and the dog I saw, but to be able to say it for across the board. Yep. That's why we need research. So we can apply this, not just to your one dog, two dog, or how many dogs you see, or how many dogs and cats I do nutrition for. What we wanna be able to do is make bigger statements that can impact all our dogs and Absolutely. cats. And that means that's gonna help our pet parents, that's gonna help the pet food industry to produce better diets, it's gonna give us better information, what best nutrition means. That is exciting. It's so exciting, and you're spot on. We, both of us, uh, in fact, everyone listening, uh, there are millions, I would fathom to say, of anecdotal cases and evidence. You know, if you understand the power of nutrition in your own home, you improving your dog or cat's nutrition, you know in your heart they're, they're feeling better, looking better, they're healthier. But that anecdotal evidence doesn't translate into uh, better food science being taught in veterinary schools, for instance. So for us to be able to make the kind of research impact necessary for new young veterinary students to be taught about uh, whole food nutrition, to be taught about food really being used as medicine, these studies are critical and imperative, and no one's doing them, but can we is. And I, I, I just can't be any more prouder of this organization for undertaking such a massive research study right out of the gates because I do believe it's going to shift veterinary nutrition and in a positive, enlightening, and really fascinating way. But I have to ask, uh, we, we first started looking and you know, we kind of hypothesized, okay, we're going to compare different types of foods and look at these toxic byproducts in the foods and how much of these advanced glycation end, project, uh, end products or ages are in each of these different types of foods. But like you said, then it's like, okay, well, can we do it in urine? Can we do it in blood? And what about, what about different species? And what about the microbiome? All of these additional thoughts take money and time and resources and lab expertise. So talk to me a little bit about um, cats. And I want to bring up kitties because 
certainly, I know you have heard this and I have heard this, people say, I think that this is wonderful that Canwe is making this unbelievable groundbreaking research in dogs, but what about cats and, and, and why aren't you focusing on cats? And so several months ago, I called you and I said, hey, listen, what do you think about kitties? And you said, I think this is fantastic, but it's going to cost more money. Uh, so you went back to your scientific team and the university-based researchers and said, hey, if we were going to think about a study for kitties, what would that look like? Can you share a little bit about how, what that conversation looked like and what uh, some of the uh, end results of, of your thoughts on kitties and ages as well? Yes, we went back, so I went back after you and I had this conversation about cats. I, I know you had done your kitty week and and you know, of course, I've adopted some cats, so I've gotten a little cat crazy. Um, <laughs> and we sat down with the research team, and lo and behold, there's a few cat crazy people that are amongst us on those researchers, Good. too. we like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did. We started talking about, okay, can we do this in cats? Well, the, the lab that's actually looking at measuring AGEs in, in urine and uh, blood in dogs, they feel very capable of doing that in cats. Um, so yes, that's that's something we think we can do. And then we started thinking, okay, but where do we go with this? What what would be important? So we went back and started looking, you know, what has come out since we started this study in the last like year or two in the human research? Where, where are the AGs really coming up as a big problem in humans. And lo and behold, it is, it's diabetes. It's human diabetes. There's been over the last couple of years, some really strong documentation of the negative effects of high AGE diets in people with type two diabetes. It, so much so that if they lower, they go from a high AGE diet to a low AGE diet, some of these individuals actually become non-diabetic yeah. they don't have to take insulin or diabetic medication they are controlled totally by diet and you and i both know that our kitties who get type 2 diabetes there's a percentage of them that when we change their diet they actually can for a period of time become non-diabetic yep. so we got thinking about this new information such a strong uh, connection being formed in human diabetes could we look at this with cats with diabetes. Yeah. So what we're looking at and are hoping to do is to get some funding to expand this study into looking at cat diets, AG levels in cat diets. What are these healthy cats looking at? What are their levels of AGEs? And then comparing them to these kitties with type two diabetes and see if we can make some connections and learn more about the effects of AGEs and processed foods in our kitties. Yeah, wonderful. So I do, I'm gonna pick your brain on an entirely separate interview specifically related to cats this week because I think that kitties are deserving of their own independent interview. I agree. But I, I totally agree. Yes, but I appreciate you bringing us up to speed not only about the canine aspect of, of our research, but introducing our listeners and readers to the fact that we're trying to assemble enough money to add the kitty aspect on. I think it's not only uh, invaluable, but I think it's critical. We just don't have enough information about cats. I would like to remind our listeners and readers that CANWE is the first organization in the world to begin looking at some of these factors relating to overall well-being and long-term health pertaining to how we nourish our pets. And I couldn't be any happier to take this entire week to highlight and discuss 
and really inspire all of you to please get involved with the work that we're doing because not only is it going to allow us to feed our pets better, it's going to provide the critical much needed information for veterinary institutions, nutritionists, and general practitioners to make better choices for their recommendations when it comes to dog and cat nutrition. I agree, Karen. I hope everybody listens and joins and supports this endeavor. I mean, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting opportunity for us to be able to support this type of research because this is research that we're going to bring back. The dog study, like I said, we're accumulating the data now. It's being analyzed. We're hoping to get some publications out this spring. We're gonna bring this, Canwe's gonna bring this to every pet parent, every veterinarian, every avenue we can to share this information. And now moving into cats, we're going to learn more and discover more. And the one thing I know is that when I know something and you know something, Karen, we're gonna make sure everybody knows and we're going to learn what best nutrition is and how we can improve the quality and longevity of our loved ones. Thank you.